the hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel is probably the strangest, weirdest prophet in the Bible. Ezekiel is the prophet that from chapter 1, he's having these weird visions. You know, it's not like Isaiah who has this vision of God in the temple and all of that. No, he starts out with uh, the, the wheel. We should have sung that, you know, uh, Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the air. Right? He starts there. Then he has a vision of a boiling pot. And he has a vision of a sword. And you get to chapter 37 and he has this vision of a valley full of bones. Listen, if you had that dream at night, you'd wake up and say, I had the worst possible nightmare with a bunch of bones. And when I was younger and this 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 passage starts out and says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. I had this idea that somehow God's hand came down, picked up his Ezekiel, and dropped him down in the valley. But, of course, what that phrase really means is that he was overcome by the Spirit and had a vision. He's not actually transported to a valley of dry bones. He has this profound vision. And if you think about the vision, it's really the worst possible kind of place that anyone could be in. These are scattered, broken bones. They aren't skeletons. You know, a lot of times we see pictures of the desert and there's like an animal skeleton. No! These are so bad, they're broken into pieces and scattered everywhere. It is a vision which is saying these people are so broken. They are so hopeless. They have fallen so far. The question is, can they ever recover from this place they're in? 
You know, you and I in our lives at times will have those things happen where, you know, we're really asking ourselves, you know, will, will I ever live again? You know, we may lose a loved one who is so, so important to us, or maybe we get some kind of serious illness and we find ourselves really broken to pieces as low as we could be asking, you know, is there any hope for me? Will I ever be able to live again? That's the kind of feeling that's here. You know, it's like Job uh, sitting there having lost everything. But in, in that case, of course, what we, what we know is that friends come and people come to support us and encourage us and try and say, oh, yeah, no, 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 there's a future for you. But, but what happens when everybody is broken? When everyone is hopeless, when there is no one to come and sit with us and say, it's going to be all right, because that's this vision. The people of Israel are in exile in Babylon. They have this sense that it's never going to be all right again, that they are as broken as they can be. They are not in the promised land. They are here in a foreign land with foreign gods. They can't get back to the temple to worship their God. They are essentially slaves for the Babylonians, powerless, and no one is coming to their rescue. You know, I was trying to think of how we could consider this same sort of vision today. And I was thinking, you know, it's something like this. The people in Uvalde, Texas, who everyone knew one of those 19 kids or two teachers who were shot, who probably most of them knew some of the police officers who are now being scrutinized, Everybody in that, t- in that town is broken. There's no one who is not suffering under the experience. Or maybe a people in a village in Ukraine who are under attack from the Russians and no one has a home and no one has electricity and everyone is in the basement wondering how are we ever going to get out of this? How will we live again? Or maybe... Uh, a village in East Africa, they're in the midst of this horrible drought and famine, and it's not like someone else in the village can come over and say, here's some food. How will these broken, scattered pieces ever come back to life again? That's this vision that Ezekiel has before him, and then, you know, it's like God takes him on this little driving tour all around the valley. I want you to really see just how broken and a mess this is. And then, after the tour, God says, mortal, Ezekiel. Can these bones live again? Now, we know that Ezekiel says, I don't know, you know, Lord. But here's the really interesting thing in that response. Ezekiel has been a prophet before they were in exile. 
Ezekiel was saying, listen, wake up. God is saying you're heading in the wrong direction. Uh, my, my friend, Johnny Keenholz, uh, whom you know, uh, uh, likes to say that when her kids were growing up and they were doing the wrong thing, she'd say, this isn't going to end well. That's what Ezekiel has been telling these people. Listen, what you're doing, it isn't going to end well. Stop what you're doing and go in a different direction. You see, these people were not the, the ones who were uh, the leaders in the society, right? Who, who, who were supposed to be caring for the widow and the orphan and the stranger and the poor among them. They weren't doing it. They decided instead they just want to hold on to their status and they want to get richer and they want to take care of themselves. And, you know, uh, uh, I talk about this as social capital, right? That's the word we use today that says, I do something to help you when you're in need and later on you'll do something to help me when I'm in need. That's the glue that holds the community together. You know, think about it today. What's the glue that's missing in our world? It's that people care to do for others instead of just wanting what they want. That's one of the reasons it's so important that Christians do all the good we can without expecting something in return. We're gluing together people the way God would have us be glued together. But in any case, not only have these uh, people of Israel not uh, been helping people the way they should, the other thing they did was they said, guess what? Oh, those Babylonians, they look threatening, so why don't we make an alliance with the Egyptians? And God's like, well, don't you understand? You kind of remember that I had to free you from captivity among the Egyptians. What don't you understand? And yet, that's how these people go. And Ezekiel's been telling them, this isn't going to end well. You see, uh, too often, uh, people who read the Bible say, bad things happen and God is punishing you. Bad things happen because you've sinned. Well, sometimes, yes, it, it is because of the things that we have done wrong. God's not punishing them. They made the mess themselves and they have to live in it now. You know, uh, uh, it's, uh, actions have consequences and sometimes what we cause for ourselves is worse than anything God would do to us. But on the other hand, there's also times that people say, well, you must have sinned. That's why this happened. But, you know, that's not true either because uh, think about all those cartoons. Yeah, I don't know what the punchline ever is, but but someone's just walking along the sidewalk, minding their own business, and then uh, two guys are pulling a piano, a grand piano, up, and the 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 rope is breaking, and the person down walking by is about to become a, a little musical tune. They didn't do anything wrong. They were just walking down the sidewalk. And that happens sometimes. Other people's actions cause harm to us. So, you know, you really can't say, first of all, that God is punishing these people, nor can you uh, say all the time, well, if something's bad, it's because you sinned. Sometimes bad things just happen, and sometimes we have to acknowledge our own role in the mess we are in. 
But Ezekiel has seen all of this. He could easily say, well, you know, God, they didn't listen. I don't know how long I talked to them. I kept telling them, change, change, go in a different way. They didn't want to listen. But he doesn't. Ezekiel refuses to judge them. Ezekiel understands what Jesus teaches us. Judge not that you be not judged. His role as mortal is not to judge what God will or will not do. It's not to point fingers and say, yeah, you're lousy people, forget you. His job is to listen to God. To hear a word of the Lord. To share a word of the Lord. And there's something so important there because so many people are quick to judge rather than to listen to God and to take sometimes the log out of our own eye. Ezekiel simply says, Lord, you tell me. What are you going to do? And that's when God says, All right, tell them this. Prophesy to them. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all those bones and then I'm going to pull them back together into skeletons. And then I'm going to put some muscles and some tendons back. And and then I'm going to put the heart and the lungs back in these. I'm going to wrap it all up in some skin. I'm going to blow the breath of life back into them. And they will live again. God promises new life. God promises restoration. God promises hope. God promises resurrection. This, friends, is a scene of resurrection to new life. It's a scene that says no matter how bad things get, God will be there bringing life out of the brokenness. It should also remind us of Jesus, who after being broken on the cross, not only rises, but reappears in a body that has been put back together again with the breath of life. Now here's the last thing I want to say. In pondering these images of resurrection, of new life, listen, God does not say to Ezekiel, I'm going to give the spirit new life. Don't worry about the body. God says, I'm putting the body back together again. Jesus comes back in a body. God is saying something important about the body that God has created. And sometimes as we get older, all we can do is ask, why is my body breaking? You know, sometimes around the the age of 30 or 40 even, our bodies start to take a turn. 
And eventually things are just going wrong in our bodies. And we're like, God, I don't like the fact that this isn't working and that isn't working and this is going wrong and that is going wrong. And how often people have said, you know, that that uh, our, our, we die and our bodies decay because of sin. You know, here are these passages where God's putting the body back together again. And in fact, I have been reading this book called uh, The Body by Bill Bryson. It's like subtitle is a Guide for Occupants. But it, it's this really, really interesting book. And we have doctors here who, who can correct me later. But uh, there are amazing things about our body that we never even pay attention to that remind us what God has made. Did you know that each human being has seven billion, billion, billion atoms? Seven octillion atoms. And think about this. There are no two people who come together in the same way. Every one of us is made by God a unique and remarkable individual with a, a place in this world. Did you know that if you took the lungs out of our body and spread them out, they would cover a tennis court? Did you know that if you took the airways, whatever they're called, within the lungs and you spread them end to end, they would reach from coast to coast? Oh, you're like, that can't be. It is! Did you know that if you took all the fine little strands of DNA in our body and, and laid them end to end, they would reach beyond Pluto? This is an amazing body that God has created. No human being could recreate this. The, the mind... In 30 seconds, we process more information than the Hubble telescope processed in 30 years. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are incredible beings. We are unique and magnificent. And we don't even realize half of the mysteries and the wonder that God has put in this body. Because all we got to do is walk around and, and decide if we're going to follow God or not. And it just keeps going. Greg, that body of yours is still going. It almost seems to me, God knows these bodies are going to break down. God knows that little by little, things go wrong in these human bodies. And if it didn't, we would never reach that place where we cross over and God puts back all the pieces together in the most incredible, unimaginable way possible that we are able to stand face to face with the living God, whole and healed, resurrected in body and spirit, whatever that may mean. Because we're not really told what that will be on the other side. 
But I, Ezekiel tells us here that we will then say that this is the Lord. That we will know without a shadow of a doubt that God has brought us through this life and resurrected us to new life forever. We shall know the Lord in full. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.